Hi, I'm Jem. You've turned into my live video podcast, Life of Jem. But first, a word from our sponsor, Hotbox Vintage. Hi, I'm Delilah, and I own Hotbox Vintage in South Pasadena, California. At Hotbox, our goal is curating vintage pieces that you can't live without. Our collection includes everything from the, from the 1940s to even the early 2000s. From our sponsor, what Hotbox Vintage. is eclectic and unconventional style since there's no one-size-fits-all approach to fashion. Hotbox is priced for accessibility so that literally anyone can discover some vintage gems of their own. Plus, it's sustainable. Find us on Instagram and use code RAGHOUSE at checkout for 20% off your first order at hotboxvintage.com. I'm back. Hopefully you can hear me now. I can hear myself. You're watching episode four of my Life of Gem video podcast based on my blog of the same name. Check out my Life of Gem Facebook page for the live stream and for all my latest stories and blog posts. They're kind of funny. And if you want your own video podcast, contact April Duran. She is such a rock star producer at raghousemedia.com. We have a super awesome video uh, podcast for you today about old school 1980s and 1970s television shows. I'm going to read a story of mine that I wrote a few years back called TV Wasteland. Then we're going to have a call-in interview of Professor Samuel Ottman. He's a professor of English at DePaul University in Indiana. And get this, he is writing a memoir about 1970s and 1980s TV. That's how his memoir is structured. So he's going to talk to us about that. And I'm also going to do a giveaway. You might win one of these cups. Only if you're nice, though. First, my story. It's called TV Wasteland. When I was growing up, TV was real, more real, a gritty real, not like today where everything's all shiny and new. The most realistic shows were the blue collar shows. Do you remember All in the Family with Archie and Edith? It was set in Queens. Good Times, which was set in the Chicago projects. What's happening about a single mom and her kids in Watts? And of course, Sanford and Son. Sanford and Son was about Fred, a widow and the original hoarder. He lived with his son Lamont, and the show was set in a junkyard. The opening credits used to depict the boarded-up businesses and all the poverty in the area. Everyone was poor and struggling to get by, and they even drove an old pickup truck like my dad did. And what's happening, which I would watch every day after school, was about single mom Mabel, her son Raj, and his little sister Dee. He had two best friends, Dwayne, hey, 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 and Rerun. And they always met at a diner where their best friend Big Shirley worked, a waitress. Mabel, I believe she was a nursing assistant. She was always working, just like my mom. And Dee was a tattletale, just like my little sister Annie. We used to have to pay her off in quarters, just like Dee did with Raj. Now, good times, that hit even closer to home. The family of five struggled to get by. They were often in danger of eviction. And my favorite characters on good times, everyone loved JJ, Dynamite. But the person I loved was Weona and her daughter, Penny, who is played by Janet Jackson. Archie Bunker Back to All in the Family, reminded me of my father with his thinning hair, his old gray coat, his hat, and he bought a bar just like my dad did. 
Do you remember the Jeffersons? That was actually a spinoff of All in the Family. And where Archie was working class, they flipped the narrative, and George was wealthy. He owned a chain of dry cleaners with his wife, Wheezy. We might have a trivia question about the Jeffersons later. You can't talk about 70s and 80s TV without talking about the Bradys. The Brady Bunch was the epitome of suburban life in the 1970s. And as a child watching the Brady Bunch reruns, because they were in reruns when I was a kid in the 80s, I was transfixed. The storylines were simple. Jan broke her glasses. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha couldn't get a date for the prom. But the narratives were well plotted. But what mostly drew me into the Brady house was that sense of fantasy. No one ever threw anything in the Brady house. No one ever yelled at each other or scratched each other's face. It was an escape into another life for me. And looking back, old school television really had a lot to say. The Jeffersons showed that it was possible for a black man to make it. Archie Bunker showed that a man was more than the sum of his prejudices. Good Times demonstrated that life in the projects could be full of joy. And What's Happening showed that friendship was everything. And that's what I want out of my television. We all should want more. Maybe I'll write a show. Maybe I already have. That's my story. That was TV Wasteline, Wasteland. And next, we have a special guest who I'm going to call. First, let me tell you about him a little bit. Samuel Ottman and I are going to wax nostalgic about 70s and 80s television because he's an expert in it. He's a professor of English at DePaul University in Indiana. He's a former journalist. He's a writer. He's a memoirist working uh, on a book about his life that is structured around 1970s and 1980s television. He has been published widely, pretty much everywhere, but some of his um, accolades are being published in Under the Gum Tree, the St. Louis Anthology, and take this, his short story, A Long Walk, was adapted into a short film, and it played all around the United States in the festival circuit. Now, Samuel and I are great friends. We're close friends, so we have a lot to talk about. I'm going to give him a call right now. Hopefully he answers. Hello. Hi, is this Samuel? Hello, how are you? I'm well. How are you doing, Juanita? I'm great. Can you hear us now? Can everyone hear us? Yeah, I can can hear you fine. Okay, great. So, um, Samuel, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself to start off? You're a former journalist turned professor. Sure, yeah. My name is Samuel Altman, and thank you so much for having me on your program. I grew up in St. Louis. Uh, I used to deliver newspapers, and I later became a newspaper writer. I worked for newspapers in Missouri, Utah, Oklahoma, and my last paper was in Southern California in San Diego. I left that in 2002 and worked my way over into teaching college. So I've been doing that off and on since 2003, full-time since 2008. But he's creative writing and journalism. Wow, and your students love you. I've seen their posts. And you and I, uh, we met in a in a workshop called Vona. Isn't that right? That's right. Yeah, we, we met at the, at the Voice of Our Nation Creative Writing Workshop 
I believe it was 2010 in San Francisco, if I have that right. It had to have been, because I think think we went to Gay Pride and we marched in the parade. That's right. I remember, I I think I went to, I think I went to, uh, they had, once it was in Miami, and I think I went once in in Berkeley and once in San Francisco. But I think I went to, I think you and I met the San Francisco one. And for those who don't know, V-O-N-A, VONA, is a writing workshop for workers for writers of color that um, was started by um, Juno Diaz and a bunch of other Elmez Abandonier. I probably messed that up. But many um, amazing writers started this workshop, and they pretty much nurture writers of color. So, Samuel, um, you're a writer of creative nonfiction mostly. What are you working on right now? What's your memoir about? Yeah, so I'm working on a memoir right now called Our Eyes Were Watching Marsha, Unpacking Race, Gender, and the Myth of Perfect Families to the TV shows we watched. And so it starts in 1970 with my family sitting in front of the, of the Ed Sullivan Show watching Ike and Tina Turner perform live. And I track TV shows and movies that we watched through 1985, ending with the, with the Cosby Show. Wow. Tell my, and I, the, and the, the title is derived because my sister, more than me, was obsessed with Marsha Brady. So that's why I got the title from. Weren't we all? Everyone wanted to be Marsha. No one uh, wanted to be Jan. Right, right. So what other shows does your book touch on? So you you talk about the Ed Sullivan show, Brady Bunch. What other shows do, does your yeah, book discuss? Yeah, so... So I had a previous project that I had a hard time finding the shape and structure for. And so I, I looked through all those pieces and I found that TV kept pop, popping up. And so I've used the frame of TV as a way to kind of talk about that, to talk about my family, to offer a little bit of critique about TV from that era, and to sort of invite people to think about TV shows that they watched. Uh, so some of the... So, so the the, ch- the chapter titles are all derived from TV shows and movies we watched on TV. So the family, it starts with Family Affair. Oh, Buffy. We remember that way, way back in the, in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, the Waltons, Good Times, that my mom, that's my mama. And we, and we, and literally I go all the way through to the Cosby show. And I, you know, I only talk about shows that really resonated for me and my family, but it, it's a wide spectrum of TV shows and movies. I was obsessed with a family affair. I I almost didn't bring it up because I thought no one would remember a family affair. But they had oh. the butler, remember, that watched over them, that, the old white guy that was kind of like a precursor to different strokes. Yeah, I mean, it, it you know, as I told, as you mentioned in your opening, I am located in Indiana. I'm about forty miles east of Terre Haute, and according to the show, Jody and Buffy's family were killed in a car accident in Terre Haute. And they were shipped to the Upper East Side of New York, and they lived with their Uncle Bill. And so I, I'm trying to make those kinds of links to my, my life and the show. Yeah, so yeah, I, we, we love that. And my sister and I were about the same age as those kids on that show, mm-hmm. so I, it holds a special place for me. Yeah, and we were obviously all watching that in reruns, because that show was probably from when, the early 70s, late 60s? Yeah, so I, I actually remember. I, I'm, I'm old enough to know. Remember when it was on the first run? It, it came on in like 1968, I believe, and it ran for about 72, 73. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how a show like that—that's a little dated, even to a kid in the 80s—would have so much resonance. I mean, I always—they were twins too, and I had a twin sister, so I think right, right they right. were twins, weren't Buffy and Jody twins? That's correct. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, yeah I, and, my, and my sister and I, we, we kind of saw ourselves in that because we were a boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we, we were not white like that, but we, you know, but we, we connected where we could, right? Because they were so, whiter yeah. than white. They were like Wonder Bread white. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> they one had red hair. The boy had red hair, and the girl had blonde hair, almost like a little. Um, what's the girl on Brady Bunch? The youngest. She looked like Cindy Brady a little bit. Yeah, what I remember. She sure did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did. That's right. Interesting how there's all these parallels between these shows. Um, yeah. So how did you decide to structure your memoir around television shows? It just seems like it's never been done. It's so amazing that you're doing that, and I think it's going to well, be really marketable. You. Well, I, I certainly hope so, from your lips to God's ears. Um, yes, yeah, so I just realized, you know, as you mentioned in the opening, I, you know, I, I'm a writer who can say before his book came out, there was a movie. Mm-hmm. And so there's a chapter called Wonder Boys. It, well, it, it, it's appeared in the essay collection as Wonder Boys. In the memoir, it would be called The Adventures of Wonder Woman. Oh, well, Wonder Woman. If you, if, yeah, the adventure, remember that show? Remember that show? <laughs> We're going to so, talk about that um, in a minute. <laughs> yeah, and so what happened was one of my former students, a woman named Shinoye Chukwu, uh, had come back to campus and she asked me about the memoir I was working on. And I had this chapter. And she and I told her what happened, and she asked for permission to shoot it. So she asked me how the professional cast and crew, and it, it's a short film available on my website at samuelaltman.com. And it's free. You can watch it for free. It's, it, it won awards and played all over the country. And, and so, the, so the TV kind of inserted itself. So it's it, a thing yeah. on Wonder Woman. We were really we were really intrigued by Wonder Woman, and so it's uh, about something that happened in our neighborhood. And I, and I link it to kind of sort of gender and sexuality and Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And so that happened. So as I was trying to show this other thing, that really, that, that happened in like 2013. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, it won all these awards and I, you know, I got all these tw- followers on Twitter and it, it really kind of eclipsed the other project. And so uh, as I continued to work on the other project, which I just couldn't get my mind around, uh, this sort of just appeared to me. And so I, I just thought, you know, and I, and I looked through some of the older chapters, and I thought, you know, there's a lot of TV in here. And so I thought it would be a nice way to invite the readers to look at, to reflect on their families through the TV shows they watch. Yeah. And, you know, most people love TV, so it's our kind of a common language. So it just, it just seemed like a natural way to do it. And so it just sort of you know, it, it is, Samuel, about, uh, mm-hmm. and um, for those who didn't catch the name of the short film, it's called The Long Walk. It's amazing. Let's talk about Wonder Woman. I have a little anecdote. Um, when I was little, I was obsessed with Wonder Woman with Linda Carter. She's half Mexican, half German. I don't know if I knew it back then, but that's what I am. And mm-hmm. I wanted to change my name from Juanita to Linda with the L Y N D A. I'm not kidding. I asked, I think I asked my parents, how do I change my name? Everyone called wow. me Jenny, but my name was really Juanita, but I wanted to go to Linda. Don't I, I mean, I was obsessed. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wonder Woman was like the coolest, bad ass Amazon warrior. And I didn't even know she was Latina, but she was amazing. Why do you think you no, were obsessed with her? I, I didn't know that either. You know, I, so my, my, so part of the my the memoir I'm writing is about the the disintegration of my what will be what will be considered the nuclear family mm. from my parents of once when I was really young, and so my mother was like a superhero really in a lot of ways, wow. and so 
I think subconsciously, you know, and I'm looking, so now I'm 53, I can look back and see it from my now point of view of what I wasn't seeing as a child. So that's the beauty of getting older. So I can look back now and see, you know, in the African-American community where I grew up, there were, there were mothers and fathers who were married, but there were, another, there were about half single-parent single parent families, and so there were a lot of wow. women. So I, was, I think I was surrounded by a lot of wonder women, and so I, just, so I think I just subconsciously fused that, that. Uh, and just became obsessed with, with that show. Uh, you, know, she, you know, she was tall and beautiful, and I did not know that she was half Mexican. That's really quite fascinating. Right. And she's a Chicana heroine because of that. But you talked about the broken family issue. And the interesting thing about the Brady Bunch, my favorite episode is the pilot episode that shows them getting married. And they're both, you know, I think one, if they're widowed or whatever, um, they're kind of a broken family that comes together. And maybe that's kind of the joy of the Brady Bunch that we see, too, that it's these two families merging, which is kind of mirroring all of the broken families that we're having in the 80s and all the latchkey kids and, you know, absent parents. What do you think of that? Yeah, so I think that that there's a whole myth of the perfect nuclear family that we've all been told. And I think what I thought the brilliance of the Brady Bunch was was they were a, quote, broken family but they, they, they all came together and, you know, all the daughters had blonde hair like the mother, <laughs> all the sons had dark hair like the father, and, they, and no one ever really talked about, I don't remember any episodes where they talked extensively about them being stepbrothers and sisters. That was never really an issue. They just came together. But I think we were all kind of sold this myth of like the perfect families. Yeah. And so one of the things I'm, I'm attempting to do it's to kind of deconstruct that myth because there are really no perfect families. I mean, families are families, right? And so, I mean, because yeah. that, that really wasn't a perfect family in the traditional sense, but it looked perfect. The optics were perfect. Yeah. But so that's what, what TV did for us. We were all kind of hypnotized by, by TV. Yeah, and I remember One Day at a Time, um, which kind of mirrored what's happening in the sense that it was a single mon- mother uh, with right. Mackenzie Phillips and the two daughters. And that was one of my mm-hmm. favorite shows. And I think it's because my mom was a working mom. She worked two jobs. She worked at a restaurant. She worked at Circle K for most of my high school years. And uh, mm-hmm. we really felt in like good times too that financial pressure, the um, right. financial insecurity of the 70s was so huge. People don't recall all the waiting in lines for gas, the lack of food, kind of what we're going through right now, kind of this kind of... Um, you know, COVID era is kind of similar to the kind of uncertainty we have. Right, right. So why do you think these shows have held up so well? Well, you know, um, I think that the originals are timepieces. I think they sort of reflected the social issues of the time. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, ABC, I don't know if you know this, but ABC recently did reboots of episodes of All in the Family and the Jefferson. So I have to say, I'm not a really big fan of reboots. I, I like the originals. I, I, I just think that, you know, let, let's get some new voices and new stories out there. Yep. But, um, but people tend mind, to kind of... I don't mind throwback things that, um, like Wonder Years and stuff that is 80s influenced um, or like uh, Fresh Off the Boat that kind of... S- sounds like an 80s show i don't like like Mm -hmm. reboots except for one day at a time that was done from a latin perspective that's a good reboot but most of them are horrible yeah i I just i'm just 
I just always like the originals. And I, you know, it's like when I see a, a remo- remake of a movie, I'm, it's mm-hmm. going to always be a black and parents. So I don't even watch them. I don't think you could redo a lot of these shows in any kind of sense, like All in the Family or The Jeffersons or um, Brady Bunch or What's Happening, which they tried to do What's Happening Now and it was horrible even like five years later. I think well, I just read on Well, I just read online the other day that Tyler Perry, I don't, no, no, I'm sorry, not Tyler Perry, Lee Daniels wants to do a reboot of The Wonder Years. Mm. And I just think, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready for a new, I think there's so many untold stories. Yeah. I'm interested in fresh voices and untold stories. So uh, it seems like it's easy to kind of rehash old ideas. You know, and I think um, one of the problems is that Hollywood is built on this, these people that recycle old ideas. And what they really need to do is get people like you, like me, like April, people in there that have a different perspective that can tell new stories that, that are based I, on I, old I stories. I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, so ABC, CBS, NBC, and Netflix, give us a call. Um, we got <laughs> yes, some TV shows yes. for you. Yes, I mean, we do. my TV show would be, you know, this working class family, these three daughters who, and this juvenile delinquent punk rock girl. I mean, who tells that story? No one. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. No. <laughs> and um, going back to the short film that, um, that was made out of your short story, A Long Walk. I mean, that ending was so powerful and heartbreaking. So anyone, well, that, thank people you. need to check it out. It, it is one of the best short films I've ever seen in my life. And I don't watch a lot of short films, but I, the thing about a short film, just like a short story, it packs a huge punch. Yeah, um, she, she did a really good job. She, you know, so I will say that she, you know, it's, it's based on real events, but then she, she fictionalized the ending, mm-hmm. but. And when I saw the script, I thought, wow, that's a dramatic shift. But it was in sync with the story that was being told and in the spirit of my work. So I really loved it. Yeah, and you can find that on Samuel's website. That's samuelotman.com. That's A-U-T-M-A-N, right? Yes, that's correct. What are you watching today? What shows are you watching today, Samuel? So that's an interesting question. You know, so I don't have a traditional a large TV in my apartment. I, I use my laptop. I use my, my smaller device, my iPad. So I watch a lot of shows on HBO, Hulu, Netflix. I just don't, I don't watch the, the regular shows that are as they air mm-hmm. live. So, so the thing that I'm loving right now is a show called I May Destroy You on HBO. It's a mostly black British cast and it is absolutely amazing. Google it. It's incredible. Ooh, I got to check that out. I'm watching Pose. I binge season two. It's one of my favorite yes. shows. The first season was set in the 80s. The second season is set in the 90s when Vogue came out. Mm-hmm. And the soundtrack, right. oh, they do this end Vogue, like, never going to get it, never going to get it episode, and you're just mm-hmm. dying. And the outfits, remember? I mean, we forget how how much clothing also influences um, TV. And when you look back at the Brady Bunch episodes, it's clear they're in the 70s, right? And then you look at oh, something like Wonder clearly. Years, and it's in the 80s. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I also, you mentioned HBO, and you, you mentioned, um, I'm sorry, you mentioned Pose. I think that's on, is that FX? I don't remember now. Um, I watch it on I, Netflix. I, I, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I, so I am also just finished watching a TV program called Legendary, which is about the ballroom scene. And it's it's a contemporary show. It's like a game show. It's kind of like RuPaul's Drag Race, 
except these houses are all competing against one another in real time. So I, it's amazing, actually. I it's another watch HBO it. show. No, it's really, really fabulous. I'm I'm yeah, watching. Uh, I'm watching RuPaul's Drag Race right now on uh, Prime. I'm on season two, and it's so addicting because it's like part mm-hmm. America's Next Top Model, part Project right. Runway, and RuPaul is just so mentoring and amazing. And the guys are cool, and the outfits and the makeup. Oh my god, I'm addicted. I I can't get away from it. So um, let's talk about. Um, do you want to read a short passage, Samuel? Maybe like a two minute sure, passage yeah, so people yeah, can get a yeah, flavor. I do. I have, sure. So I'll give you a little bit of setup here. As I said, uh, it's it's called. This is the first page of something now called Wonder Boys. It will appear in the memoir in progress. And just for setup, this is something that happened in the late 1970s in St. Louis. Um, something that I saw. And it later became a short film called A Long Walk. And so um, it's based, so the, it's called now, the, the piece that will, it's, it's, that will appear will be called The Adventures of Wonder Woman. But it keeps, it keeps being anthologized. So it's come out as a, a, a walk to the neighborhood. It's coming out again later this year as Wonder Boys. And so when the memoir finally comes out, I'm going to call it The Adventures of Wonder Woman from the, from the 70s TV show. And so I think the theme and context are very clear if you watch the, the short film. Okay, so this is Wonder Boy, the beginning. Saturday mornings in 1977 in our North St. Louis neighborhood meant wiping crust from my eyes, climbing down from the bunk bed, rustling Chung, my sister, from her, from her bed. We knew Mama had placed either cornflakes, Cheerios, or Lucky Charms in plastic bowls the night before. Chung and I immediately grabbed them and turned on the TV to watch ABC's Super Friends. I like the cartoon because Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, Robin, and Aquaman formed a superhero alliance. Chung preferred Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? and, and The Buzz Bunny Show. Once the cartoons went off at about noon, the neighborhood, divide, the neighborhood kids divided by gender and hit the street. I played nerf football in the streets with the boys. Our strategies and rhythms interrupting, interrupted every three to five minutes by the hum of passing cars. We would stop, disperse on either side of the street briefly, then regather on the black tar, the black tar, and pick up the game. Meanwhile, the girls played double dust jump rope, their orange and red jelly beans bouncing rhythmically on the sidewalk. Sometimes they play active as cheerleaders, squats. It's a cheerleading squat, patting their hands and stopping their feet in unison while making cheers that sounded like rappers. My name is Chong. I am a Virgo. I am super bad with power. We're all here. Let's cheer. was a common one for my sister. In those days in St. Louis, the streets were safe. We heard about burglaries or houses catching on fire. Youth and naivete insulated us from what was on the horizon in the next generation. One time, I was outside riding bikes with neighborhood kids Mikey, Junebug, and Tony when we saw Steve, a kid who lived across the alley, resisting his father, Mr. Johnson, as he pulled him out of the red brick house down the stairs onto the sidewalk. So you want to be a freaking girl? I'll make you a freaking girl. His father thundered with his belt dangling down his fist. No, Daddy, I'm sorry. Please don't make me do this, he pleaded. And we'll stop there. 
And so I'll just encourage people to go to the website and see what really happened. It, it was a very impactful thing. And the, the, and the interesting thing is, I don't know. So you know, after the event happened, that kid moved away. And I don't know that he knows that this has been made into a movie or that his story's been told. So kind of interesting, the power of the medium, you know, to get the word, to get stories out there. I'll say this, Samuel, your book is going to be a bestseller. The, the amount of joy and nostalgia and pure like adrenaline I get when I hear you talk about, you know, Lucky Charms and Scooby-Doo and all these TV shows and the way you weave it in, it's masterful. So uh, I can't wait to read well, your book. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, I hope so. You know, it was really fun. You know, you and I were back in San Antonio earlier this year before this this pandemic happened and I was happy to be on a panel and to read an excerpt. And I, I was quite surprised by the, by the audience response that day. So that, I have to say that really kind of fueled me to, to get my book proposal done this summer. So I'm, I'm very excited, you know, no matter what happens, I'm just excited to, to be able to frame it this way. So, well, I've been excited to have you on the show. I was excited that you're my good friend and we got to hang out in San Antonio right before the pandemic hit literally the week oh before. Literally the week before. It seems like such a long time ago. Now, it was only a few months ago, but it was like our lives were in a different place now. You and I were at a bar having a martini, um, eating nuts out of the bowl, you know? (laughs) And now you can't do that. Now you can't do that. Isn't it crazy? Well, I really, really appreciate the opportunity to share the work. Um, You know, I've been sitting in my apartment just writing, writing, writing most of the summer. So, um, yeah, I and mean, so I guess that's the good thing about it. It's forced me to really sit still and, and to get my work done. So, um, so I really appreciate the opportunity to get out here and, and share this work with you. So everyone, go to Samuel's website, check out his pieces, check out the short film, and when his memoir comes out, just wait. It's going to be on the bestsellers list. Thank you, Samuel. Well, thank you. Hey, great talking to you, Juanita. You take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Okay. Love you. Bye-bye. Love you too. Bye-bye. <laughs> The website is uh, samuelotman.com. That's S-A-M-U-E-L-A-U-T-M-A-N.com. And if I got that wrong, Samuel, please put a comment and a link to your website in the comments on this live feed. Um, So my trivia question, which I'm going to do right now, and whoever calls in at 909-534-5684 909-534-5684 can win a Life of Gem Cup. I designed them myself with my producer who helped me with the graphic. And so I'll, I'll ship one of these out to you. So I don't know if anyone's going to get this. And if no one gets it, that's okay because I'll keep another cup for myself. But the question is, on the Jeffersons, they had neighbors. It was a black and a white man, a black woman and a white man. And the black woman had a son. And he's a rock star. So if you know the name of that hot, gorgeous rock star who I actually met in New York City in Harlem one day when I was hanging out with one of my good friends, uh, Miss Cruz, and we were at her house and we were walking by the Apollo Theater and this rock star actor extraordinaire walked by and I about died because he's more beautiful in person. So if anyone knows who I'm talking about, he's the son of the neighbor who is a black woman on the Jeffersons. 
If you know his name and he's married to another famous person, um, give us a call at 909-534-5684. Oh, we have a call. Hi, this is Jem. Who's this? Oh, hold on. Hold on one second. I got to link you up. Sorry, technical difficulties. Bluetooth. Roadcaster. Hi, Fidel. Oh, hold on. Hi, this is Jem. Who's this? Hello, this is Fidel. Hi, Fidel. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Making dinner, watching you. Nice. It's. Do you like my uh, blazer? It's kind of sparkly, huh? Yeah, um, <laughs> yes, it is. Very <laughs> And I have pleather pants on, but you can't see them. So I went to all this trouble to squish myself into them for nothing. But um, what is the answer to the trivia question? I think that was actually pretty easy. It was immediately Lenny Kravitz, right? Yes! Yay! That was pretty good. I kind of forgot about that until you asked the question and then it immediately popped in my head. So, Fidel, do you have a minute to talk? Sure. What was your favorite 1980s TV show? Oh, God, 1980s? Or I don't 70s. Know I had a favorite. I know I, know I had um, a normal run of shows, but I think it's pretty much the same thing that you said, right? So I grew up watching different strokes. Definitely the Jefferson, as you just mentioned. Definitely the Brady Bunch. Um, well, all those kinds of shows outside of the Saturday morning cartoons, but um, those shows are awesome. Yeah, different strokes. Do you remember the Mr. T episode? I pity the fool. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, my gosh. That was my favorite episode. And, you know, it's kind of tragic how a lot of the people from different strokes, I mean, they've passed. It's really sad, actually. And they're, they're relatively young. But the old, do you remember there <clears> were two uh, maids? Do you remember the older maid, the first maid, the little old lady? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember her name. One of them went on to the. Uh, the one with the college girls, I forget, or high school girls. Um, right, Edna Garrett, uh, Facts of Life. Yeah, but, there you go. But the one I do remember the little, the little white lady, kind of roundish, very short. Yes, she was from Ontario, and she used to go into my mom's restaurant to eat every week. Really? Yes. That. Yeah, she yeah. died recently. She was an old, she was an older lady. Um, I'm actually not sure when she died. Maybe, maybe I'm going back in time and she bought, died years ago. Cause she had to be like 70 on that show. But yeah, my mom. Yeah, knew I her. don't know that. I don't know that it was recent. <laughs> Do you remember, um, chips? Oh, absolutely. Love you know, kind of trippy is, um, <clears throat> growing up, growing up that age be naive to, you know, kind of what we're dealing with now with, you know, with Black Lives Matter, it's kind of opening our, our eyes up to stuff. The, I don't know, I, I'm curious if the spirit was racist behind shows like that, <clears throat> excuse me, like Dukes of Hazard, obviously with the Confederate flag, mm-hmm. and cartoons, you know, with Elmer Fudd and, and, and uh, oh, the big rooster, I kind of forget his name right now, but, um, yeah, Dukes so of Hazard back, was hugely racist. <laughs> yeah, we look back on them and, and we're like, holy crap, how do we not know that? So I'm kind of wondering if the writers 
subliminally pushing that agenda or was it total naive? Yeah. That's my opinion, but. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's really interesting to think about. Like, um, would we watch those shows today? I doubt it. My twin sister keeps on trying to call. Obviously she really wants to get through. Jackie, give us one second. Well, thank you, Fidel, for calling in and I'll ship you out your cup. All right. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Tell Bernadette hi. Jackie, are you going to call in? Because, Jackie, you called me three times, and I had to keep on uh, clicking. So uh, give me a call. We got... We got two. <laughs> we got two minutes. Um, the one thing that I, um, April, when uh, Samuel was reading his story, when he was talking about the Justice League, um, my twin sister and I used to call ourselves the Wonder Twins because they're um, the two Wonder Twins. On uh, I remember them. Mm-hmm. I remember one was always water, and the other one was always fire or land. I think it was ice or ice. Yeah. Oh no, the water was ice. Hi, this is Jim. Who's this? Hold on. Technical difficulties again. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Oh, there we go. Hi, this is Jim. Who's this? This is Jackie, twin sister. <laughs> What's up, sis? <laughs> Hi, Wonder Twin. Jackie was my guest last week. What did you think when Samuel was reading his um, passage about um, the Justice League? Oh, my goodness. Well, all his shows echoed, and uh, it, it just shows the importance of television to cementing our memories, right? It's almost like food. Yeah. Do you remember rushing home? Jackie and I would rush home from school to watch Chips. I had a huge crush on Ponch. Oh, Eric Estrada. He was the cat's meow back then. And Love Boat, Fantasy Island, Webster, um, to go a little bit later, different strokes. Punky Brewster. Uh, Three's Company, Laverne and Shirley, Boo Boo Kitty. Yeah, uh, Laverne and Shirley and Happy Days, even though they were in reruns. But I think Happy Days was actually still our era. Um, it may have started when we were a little bit younger, but I wanted to be Leather Tescadero, and that's why I'm wearing my Leather Tescadero pants today. <laughs> who, who, what was your if you could pick one show Jackie what would you what would you watch I was thinking Facts of Life because I really resonated with Joe. she was kind of a tomboy a strong character you know and she had to compete with you know Blair Warner and Rich then there girl. was Mindy on there and Tootie is it Tootie mm-hmm. I think it's Tootie I just like the makeup of uh, an all female cast I thought was rare you know yeah, and Molly Ringwald so. was on season one. I really like watching that season one where you have all the girls in the boarding school. Um, and then, you know, they transitioned to season two where it became just the the foursome. It was Tootie, Mindy, um, Tootie, Natalie, Joe, and uh, Blair. And everyone hated Blair. Um, but we had a friend in high school named Laura McPherson that we used to, she reminded me of Blair a little bit. Blair actually was a good person. But uh, Joe was the cool one by far. And Joe reminded me a lot of Joe from Little Women. And maybe she was modeled on her. You never know, right? What writers are thinking. But so, yeah. yeah. And it reminded me a lot of Little Women, actually. So I think that would be my show just because it has so many strong female characters, which I think is still an issue today in television. Just like there's, you know, actors of color, like majority of actors of color in a 
series. I think it's the same thing. An all-female cast is rarer than you think. And you watched the reboot of One Day at a Time. You like that too, right? I really liked it. I also like that it brought to light like PSTD and, you know, what veterans suffer after they get out of the military and LGBTQ issues that were dealt with quite well. And immigration uh, issues. Immigration issues. So I think that show was probably the best one of all the reboots to kind of really kind of get back to that showcasing, you know, uh, society's uh, issues through the medium of television in, in a thoughtful and even funny way, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and Rita Moreno yeah. is on there too, and she's oh, she's, she's fantastic. like she's beyond fantastic. You just could watch it just for her, right? Yeah, you know, if I had to pick one show, it would probably be All in the Family because it reminds me so much of Dad, and I even like the later episodes where he buys the bar, and I love the whole characters, and I loved Edith, and I loved the daughter and Meathead Rob Reiner. And, uh, but would All in the Family even get on today? Because I think no. it's so, it's too honest. And I think that's what's missing from television now. And I think we really need to look at that. And, um, you know, it's a fine line when you're to humor and, you know, honesty. And also with all the, you know, the acknowledgement of, you know, the system's inequalities. How do we how do we get shows that are important on yeah. without getting such a backlash from some segment of society and not talking any particular section of society? Oh, yeah, I think it would be very hard to have a show like that on today. I mean, I don't think it would get on. But I think as, as kind of a time capsule, it's interesting to look back at these shows and um, how brave they were in some ways with the things they had to say. You know, whether it's Good Times, which was very um, raw sometimes. There's an episode where um, they're getting evicted. There's episodes where they don't have money to pay the utilities. There's episodes where the dad has to go out to be a pool shark. And, you know, there's all these stereotypes, too, that are kind of offensive. The guy with the watches and, you know. Right. Yeah. So. But Weona, the feminist neighbor, is amazing. I put it in the... Sorry to interrupt. I put something in the stream. By the way, I knew it was LK Lenny Kravitz way before anyone answered. I put it in there. You owe me a cup. But uh, <laughs> okay, no, really, I was like, I, I, somewhere I'd read that I, I love Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet and their daughter. Uh, oh, their daughter's an amazing what, actress. Do you ever watch television now and expect people to have masks on? I'm getting that weird dysphoria almost. And do you think that's going to be addressed in television, this whole COVID kind of mentality now? You know, I just thought that the other day I was watching a show and they were all hugging each other. And I'm like, what are they doing? And then I'm like, no, this is a show, right? And this was made way before COVID. But um, I watched a show called Only last night on Netflix. That is um, a show about a pandemic that affects all the women in the world. And the women are killed off. And there's one survivor and her husband's been taking care of her and isolating her and they're searching for her because they're the only females that did live they're harvesting their eggs and taking them into governmental custody and that show freaked me out because it was too close to home so i you know i'm more of a fan of i'm just going to keep on watching all these old shows i don't want to see people in masks on tv um i don't i can barely watch the news right now i've been watching rupaul's drag race all week because and all last week because it's an escape you know i need an escape right now i need them to reboot 
facts of life with a really cool cast. And I'm fine with that reboot and I will watch it. So I think we're about done. Thank you, Jackie, for calling in. Thank you. And I'll send you a cut too. Bye-bye. Love you. Well, it's 7.50. So we went a little late because we started a little bit late, but I want to tell you about that episode in two weeks. So today is the 15th. Our next episode will be on the 29th. Is that two weeks? 22nd, 29th test my math skills here. And that episode is going to be dedicated to writing. I will have someone from the Inlandia organization, which is the Inland Empire's writing organization that does workshops and a lot of community activism and outreach. And I'm going to have someone from their um, organization on via phone. Unfortunately, we can't have people live right now, but she'll be on via phone. Um, I'll announce that later with more specifics. That um, episode will be dedicated to writing and writing about the Inland Empire, right? We don't need to write about L.A. We don't need to write about New York. No one wants to hear about sex in the city right now. We want to write about the (laughs) Inland Empire because we are girls from the Inland Empire who live in the Inland Empire, who write, work, talk about the Inland Empire. So check us out in two weeks. That episode will be about writing. Thank you for watching. I love you. Take care. Be safe.